The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the dynamic evolution of connected television advertising and its impact on the media landscape. Joining us is Angela Voss, who is the CEO of Marketing Architects, which is an all-inclusive TV agency that rebuilt the traditional agency model to help brands drive profitable growth. Marketing Architects has spent 25 years building homegrown technology to solve its TV pricing, measurement, and scale challenges. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, Marketing Architects is also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. Yesterday, Angela and I talked about navigating the evolution of connected TV advertising. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about how to craft effective TV campaign strategies. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Angela Voss, the CEO of Marketing Architects. Angela, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you so much. Always excited to have you back here. Always great to have one of our sponsors on the show. And great to continue our conversation from yesterday where we talked about basically how to figure out if TV is right for you. And my takeaway from our conversation was TV is easier to test, but complex to target. But if you get it right, it can be a twofer. You can have near-term direct response impact and also build awareness for people that are not necessarily in buying mode, but building consideration. So let's get into the details here. Let's say I've made the decision. I've got a $10 million marketing budget. Boy, wouldn't that be nice, at least for me. That's probably small peanuts compared for most people. But, you know, I run a podcast. I got 10 million bucks and I'm going to allocate a quarter of my media buying budget into television advertising. I've got a measly two and a half million dollars. How do I figure out how to allocate $2.5 million to effectively test connected television? I didn't realize we were going to be doing math quizzing. <laughs> gotcha. I think the first thing to consider is what is your objective? We shouldn't be spending $2.5 million on any channel if we don't know that it's effective. So $2.5 million might be right, might be too little, might be too much. But generally speaking, it's no different than any other channel, right? We've all got digital insights that we can leverage. We generally understand who are our bullseye targets, who maybe are some secondary targets, who are some tertiary targets. And all that data can be leveraged. You have personas built. 
then we just need to understand consumer viewership behavior. Where do these people exist? Are we going to lean into a contextual type of target? Are we looking at behavioral data? Maybe we should be doing both. And set your initial runs up to just be learning agendas is what we call them. So that if we're going to take that two and a half million and make the best of it, we're going to know what to do. We should never be just putting media out there and just letting it run. We should absolutely be learning. We should be optimizing. We should be increasing in some cases, decreasing in some cases, and it should be very fluid. We're far, far too advanced in data technology and marketing in general to just be a set it and forget it. Okay. So I'll give you a made up example here. Mm -hmm. My company makes travel guitars and it's an influencer business. And John Mayer is the face of the company. So they're John Mayer's travel guitars. You could put them in a backpack and play guitar wherever you go. And I got to figure out how to make my creative. So I'm going to put John Mayer in front of an iPhone with a green screen behind him and make it seem like he's at a concert playing my guitar. Now I've got my creative done and it only cost me $250,000 to produce. Seems like an awful lot for an iPhone shot video. I'm down to $225,000. I'm making up the numbers here. So hopefully you could shoot a commercial for a quarter of a million dollars. Where do I go from here in terms of figuring out what the targets, what the channels, what the timing, what the placements are? How do I figure out how to take my creative and start building my test campaigns? So this all starts with what we call a target audience assessment, deeply understanding based on either insight that brands already have. A lot of brands have already done a lot of the legwork related to strategically who are those core consumers that are in market or interested in buying a guitar that is repped by John Mayer. So when we bring that into the television side of things, we have a lot of qualitative and quantitative tools. You know, in our case, we leverage our own homegrown proprietary AI media buying and planning platform called Anika. We have very likely targeted that consumer before and have a lot of insights using Nielsen data, using Samba data, using, uh, like I said, potentially MRI, etc., to understand that viewing behavior and where those consumers exist. But that's just one piece of it, because what we might find is that those consumers potentially watch very high profile programming. They very likely do. High profile programming usually pulls in a lot of reach, things like award shows. Those programs are generally very expensive as well. So it's the intersection between where do we find the consumer and where do we find the consumer at the right price is the reason that essentially we built that AI. It's far too complex for buyers alone to handle. But it's the same type of math equation, essentially, that would happen in any other channel of just understanding who that consumer is and what their behavior is in the channel that you're working in. All right. So I enriched my CRM data and I learned that my travel guitar company is basically targeting 40-year-old plus suburban dads. And now we're going to take those bits of information and you're going to say, we're feeding it to Annika, your AI-generated media planner. And it's going to say, sure, you can buy the country music television award show. That's probably going to be pretty expensive. You could also buy reruns of Friday Night Lights on Freebie. And you're coming up with different shows. Now, once you have your suggestions from Annika, your AI media buying platform, where do you go from there to actually test and optimize? 
Yeah, it's about casting the net because there are assumptions as to what type of media placements are going to be most effective. But we need to cast that net and really let that data tell us based on responsiveness, based on cost of the media, based on real-time supply and demand in the space. Again, the AI helps us understand, geez, we thought there was going to be a lot of inventory open on let's say, great American country or something like that. But it was tighter than we thought it was going to. And so the cost was more. Geez, these people, these men, potentially women too, like (laughs) guitars, also watch ESPN. So when we think about that and make those decisions based on the fact that people are not as loyal in the TV space as they might have been in radio, as you're driving to work or whatever, you kind of have your radio stations, a lot of people are podcasting, they're very loyal to podcasters as well. But in television, we bounce around based on programming. And so we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of really important decisions in terms of how we get in front of a consumer. Going back to ESPN, we can access ESPN directly. We can do it on a local feed. We've got DirecTV, Dish Network. There's 20 to 30 options. And those are really important decisions that help brands make TV work. And I think far too many go the easy route. I want to be on Great American Country. I want to be on ESPN. And they go right there and they buy it and they pay the cost that was asked. And then it doesn't work. And where are they left? They don't really know where to turn. I'm glad that you mentioned that women like to play guitar too, because (laughs) my company just signed a deal with Taylor Swift as well. And so now we're really getting serious about putting a travel guitar in everybody's backpack. But the segment is incredibly different. It's a much younger, more diverse, and obviously female-centric. Actually, everybody loves Taylor Swift. But roll with me for this example. Let's say that it's only the women that are interested in the Taylor Swift travel guitar. Mm -hmm. How do I think about when I have multiple segments setting my campaign strategies so I'm making sure that I'm using the right piece of creative in the right channel at the right time, targeting the right people, and still evaluating which of my products has the most efficacy? We talk about consumer targets in terms of bullseye, in terms of secondary, and in terms of tertiary. And then in some cases, too, there's a whole different target. An example I would give to you is when they came to us, they were an online pantry brand, not .com. They've been in business for close to 100 years, launched in 1929, three generations, family-owned, everything from flour to nuts to... And this all happened during COVID when we brought them into television. And initially, we saw great success with the online pantry targets, which was generally women ages 35 plus. But they also had a lot of great snacking, half pop popcorn and candy and dried fruits and... Raspberry jelly rings. Come on, let's get serious, people. Exactly. You need to try them. As we saw this opportunity to go, geez, it feels like there's a missed opportunity because especially during COVID, no one's wanting to shop in any grocery stores. And yet we're all watching a ton of television. Feels like a prime snacking opportunity. (laughs) And that is exactly what happened. The strategy team got to work uncovering how can we not reposition, but also position this towards potentially men snacking at football games and things like that. So that's the beauty of a channel like television, because you have a really, really broad set of individuals that in some cases, we've in the digital side sort of narrowed in who we think our consumer is. And rightfully so, we're trying to make it work. But then we come to a channel like television where there are really, really broad audiences and a lot of co-viewing happening 
And we kind of have to start over to some degree. We have to start a bit with a white sheet of paper and test our way into so that we don't falsely narrow the scope that the channel could potentially be for the business. Here's another problem that I have. My company is moving away from just being travel guitars. And now we've created this really unique travel sitar, which is an Indian-inspired instrument that has been around since the 18th century. But I'll be honest, we don't know who the target is. So I can't tell you this is the female-centric as opposed to the male. I don't know who wants to learn how to play the sitar, but we really want to sell this thing. Do I have the opportunity to buy remnant inventory or cheap inventory to just roll the ball onto the court and see which way it bounces and figure out who my customers actually are? Definitely. I mean, if you wanted to, you could put a P2 plus target out into the universe. I'm not sure that I'm recommending it. P2 plus? P2 plus people two and older. Generally, everybody except for newborns would be the target. There's probably better channels to do that in, but generally speaking, yes, you could definitely do that. Uh, Again, we love the data. So if we wanted to create a very, very broad target, low price media, and just go after trying to uncover new opportunity, you can absolutely do that. And generally, sometimes you trip into that as a brand in television where you're like, geez, Hallmark is working really well. Actually, we had a situation with one of our own products as a business. We had kind of a sister company that we launched in product development. And one of the products that we stood up was a stuffed animal, a child's toy called Stuffies. And it was this toy with seven secret pockets and you could put your toys inside of your toy. And we assumed when we launched, see, we've learned all this. We didn't know all this. Like we've made mistakes too. (laughs) We assumed when we launched that we should be targeting mom, right? She's the one that not completely, but generally might be buying. But we came across some opportunity on Hallmark and on Fox News with very low price media and sort of tripped into the grandma target, which ended up being the biggest opportunity for stuffies that we uncovered in that entire campaign. So it's a great example of how TV can uncover those insights. It's like drum sets. Nobody wants to buy their kid a drum set, but your friends want to buy your kid a drum set. Exactly. Just to see the havoc it can wreak. I will say that I once bought my sister before I had kids a karaoke machine and I've been paying for it ever since. (laughs) You never know who your target market is sometimes. You don't. And yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, I think taking us a little bit on a tangent, but if we think about the CTV space and a lot of behavioral data, that same challenge exists, but on a different level. I don't know if you had come across this study, but our head of IT was recently asked to speak at a programmatic conference. And while he was there, he watched the global head of media at HP discuss behavioral targeting versus contextual or broad targeting. And he talked about how for years they believed that tight targeting through digitally enabled technologies help them reach the exact right people, which happened to be IT decision makers at the right time when they were ready to buy. But slowly, skepticism grew that they were actually reaching those people. And so they partnered with, I think it was MIT and a university, it might have been Melbourne, to evaluate how well they were really reaching this preferred audience with these hyper-targeted digital ads And I remember our head of IT coming back and sharing how surprised they were. And I think even a little bit nauseated to learn that only 8% of the people that they had targeted actually worked in IT. 
And then the second stat is something like 60% were unemployed. (laughs) So ultimately, they learned that their best performing segment by far was targeted only by age reaching 45 to 54 or something like that. But there's so much inaccuracy tied to the interoperability of a lot of third-party behavioral data. And I think that's a largely misunderstood fact. And I think this traces back to how complex the space is. You've got a channel like television, which in theory can open up new avenues and allow you to discover audiences that maybe you had disregarded in the past. But in addition to that, we've got behavioral data that seems like it should be leveraged in a really strategic way to try to grow our brand. And in some cases, you're dealing with misinformation. So it's a tough channel. All right. Well, help me tie a bow on this. I know we've been using the case studies here and I've been hitting you with all sorts of surprise on this episode. But when we think about crafting effective TV strategies, my takeaway from our conversations are first off, start with who you want to target. Use artificial intelligence or expert media buyers to test your campaigns based on some assumptions, but then figure out what actually works. What am I missing and what are some of the other steps you need to go through to make sure you're crafting an effective TV strategy? I mean, I think a big one is the principal determinant of TV's ability to drive ROI is simply cost. We studied this across all of our clients. Don't limit your media plan to only the biggest networks. Find your audience across the media landscape. Leverage technology to build a diversified smart plan that really helps you uncover where those efficiencies are. Additionally, I would say think sales and brand together. It's this principle of bothism coined by Mark Ritson. A strong call to action plus a compelling story really helps in a channel like television. We need to be able to capture sales. At least in our world, we're working with marketers that they have expectations they need to bring back to their management team, their board, whomever it might be, that sales are being driven today out of a TV channel that is largely thought of for brand building. But also don't turn your cheek to its ability to build brands and build that mental availability and that future demand that's going to be so important for years to come. And then I think the last thing that I would mention is a lot of marketers are confused or potentially skeptical about how to measure television. They just are still thinking of TV as that top of funnel channel, its impressions, its TRPs, its GRPs. I don't have quote unquote brand budget. Those are things that we initially hear when we start talking to prospects and brands about getting into television. There are, we leverage a framework micro macro business impacts to really understand what's happening today on a sales level, what's happening in the first one to two months, let's say of a campaign, and then potentially years out. That is all doable. It's not easy. You definitely need experts in that space to help you do that. But we've proven that we can do that. Our clients see revenue grow on average 39% in their first year with television. So it definitely can be done. It can be done. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Angela Voss, CEO of Marketing Architects. Join us again tomorrow when Angela and I wrap up our conversation talking about planning tech-driven TV campaigns. If you can't wait till our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Angela, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is MarkArch. It's M-A-R-K-A-R-C-H. Or you can visit her company's website, which is marketingarchitects.com. In marketingarchitects.com, you can also find links to the Marketing Architects podcast and also the Marketing Architects book, which is called All Inclusive TV.
Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even apply to be the next guest speaker on the MarTech Podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly on LinkedIn. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.